What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We got part one of our Two White Lights Award, the year-end episode from Two White Lights. And you get two of them because it was a lot this year. So 90 minutes here, and then I believe another hour coming uh, next week. So bringing into Christmas with the first installation. This is kind of more of our serious awards. Um, I don't know if that's even possible. But, um, especially when we get to the untested side, but this is more individual stuff, uh, you know, something that would mimic a sport award and the next episode's kind of the two white light favorites of, you know, meme account, uh, social media post, troll of the year. So all that stuff will be in the following episode. So get ready to listen to a lot of two white lights to end off 2023 and end it off in a good way by subscribing to two white lights on spotify leave a five-star rating there leave a review also go to apple podcast leave a five-star rating and review there as well go to twowhitelights.com get yourself some clothes get yourself some merchandise and also subscribe and without further ado here it is two white lights i apologize for the audio i'm at home without my recording equipment best time of year steve it's a war show season yes i mean it's a war show i mean people i people don't know i literally have this made up and i track things the entire year i start inserting stuff in we we, we are serious about our award show like this is this is a legit award this is an opinion well it is opinion there's some opinion here but this is this is very detailed that we try to get everything in here, not only between giving the, the legitimate lifter award, but also the obvious ones that people love the most is things like threat of the year, troll of the year, bad journalist moment of the year. These are the ones people really, really come for. So yes, right. we've got we've got a good one. It was a good year in powerlifting. It, there was a lot there was a lot of interesting things that happened. Uh, which if we're gonna get right into it, podcast story of the year. Yep. Let's go. Let's go right really into it. it. So, I mean, we've typically done four nominations. I'm going to do even more than that on some of these because it starts to get to the point where four nominations isn't enough. So, I think I've got six main things for podcast story of the year and kind of to an extent in order here. We've got the IPF Korea situation. That was a pretty big one that seemingly still that person is in place somehow. As far as I know, they are, st they are still the president of the IPF Korea affiliate. It's yeah. just insane to me. <laughs> we have Raw Nats registration and me causing uh, the entire situation to implode and everyone to be pissed off. Um, Sheffield, which frankly, in my opinion, we're going to get to it. I, I think that's the biggest story of the year. I think that is what, if when I look back on 2024 or 2023, I think that's what I'm going to think about is like 
not only the meat, but the impact that had on the entire landscape of powerlifting. With that said, that's a bit biased towards tested because Goob canceling an entire federation is a pretty big deal on the untested side, considering an entire federation got canceled by a bodybuilding fitness influencer. Mm -hmm. We've got the bench arch, which really started out as what looked like the biggest story and then kind of didn't become a story because it didn't really become a rule because no one ever got called on it. Yeah. Because it was a dumb rule that just shouldn't exist. And then I put this on here. Uh, it's not really in serious contention, but the fact is it was the most like viral thing we did, I think, all year was meat etiquette. I don't yeah. think anything got people more riled up than our meat etiquette and Angelo the inconvenience Fortino coming to life. Yeah. Yeah, there's um <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good stories there. And yeah, that dark horse at the end, um, I it's one of those podcasting things that when you start talking about it, you have no idea that like so many people do it, pay attention to it, and it's something common that uh, people people always experience. But I, I will say I am very happy that other things happened. So podcast story of the year wasn't a rule change about a bench arch because that would just I love this award and that would really piss me off if we're like and the podcast story of the year is the bench arch when like the previous two winners were actual good journalist no, stories no last year last year's winner was the bench rule change oh yeah that was last year's winner yeah well uh <laughs> i'm uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i'm glad this year had something more like ipf usapl we had that that was a good story you know we had great yeah. content from that also that big change in powerlifting like that's a monumental change that is probably gonna be talked about for a very long time um you know, it's like France, France and USAPL. Like, that is something, if you're in the sport for long enough, you're going to hear about. Um, I, the, the the USPA one with Goob, that one's interesting because I think that should be a bigger story. And it just kind of came and went. Like, it happened, canceled, a lot of repercussions, well, and then once as, things were figured as, out, it was done. Yeah, and we tried to not get involved in that as much because that was just a full cancel culture situation, which now you can probably talk about freely and make fun of all of it, and it's completely fine. But in the moment, if you said anything, yeah, it was full-on rampage of 500 milligram testosterone, uh, 400 Wilkes local level lifters coming at you and wanting to cancel you. Yeah. Yeah. Just rehashing uh, your mess. That was big. I mean, that... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, I'm. Uh, I, there was a lot of name calling on on that one of me believing anyone is natural. You're the. Uh, that's an you're the one. best but, uh, guy though to have to speak on that because it's like, like they're just like this this guy, this guy is gonna tell us <laughs> that there's there's no one's not natty in the the USAPL. This nerd, this dork, <laughs> and then yeah, <laughs> it's like. And like they go to your loop, like, he can't even lift. But say if I was on there, it'd be like, okay, at least he like has somewhat of a decent deadlift. They would still call me names, but it's just great that it was you. Well, but then, but then, well, but then if it's you, then they're saying, oh, well, of course he's gonna say that because he's on stuff, so he's trying to cover it up. Like there's gonna be a cope either way. Yeah, I got the I got the untested beard, so that that might work. You do, but um, yeah. yeah, that's uh, yeah, I was I was so happy. I'm like, yeah, Steve. Steve is the perfect guy to like be the shield 
for all of tested powerlifting for this take because it's you're 100% right and every tested powerlifter believes this but it's like if I go on Massonomics which we know their audience we know who listens to Massonomics you go and say this stuff you're gonna get a bunch of you know insults thrown your way you're gonna be called a you know a, a beta nerd cuck or whatever they want to say and yeah uh it was thanks thanks for taking one from this uh for the team steve you're welcome. I'm glad to do it. But yeah, I think, I mean, based on this conversation, it has, I think it has to come down to like true impact. It's Sheffield versus Goob cancels an entire federation yes. because those two shaped, like, like I said, if I look back on 2023, that's what I'm going to have to think about because those two things shaped all of powerlifting Sheffield shaped all of tested powerlifting. And while USAPL did absolutely nothing to help their case, Sheffield was the trump card. Like that changed everything. Uh, not only in the U.S., but really worldwide. I think it probably changed more things worldwide because, in the, I mean, outside the U.S., there's not as many opportunities for these, like, big, big meets as we kind of get spoiled sometimes with it. But it's so big that it even affected the U.S., which just shows the impact. And then the goo cancels an entire federation. But yeah. I, I would say that's a huge story, but is that not just the life cycle of untested powerlifting? It was, it was going to be something. It, like, it, something was going to cause that it expanded that's that's what they do that's all it had you know what but if i was a betting man i would have bet wrpf just based on would it get canceled yeah like i would if i if you're like okay which untested powerlifting is gonna get what untested powerlifting federation is gonna get canceled by an online fitness influencer i would have been like wrpf right now put my money on it i'm like i can't see the uspa getting canceled um, because they had a little bit more of that structured, you know, executive board and all that, but it's still untested. The life cycle though is interesting because it's usually with meets within the Federation, not the entire Federation. So the life cycle has expanded into bigger things and it, yeah, it really has caused the WRPF to take over untested powerlifting, um, in the U.S., like all the big meets are WRPF, and that is big, yeah. um, and, and in the sense of an impact. Well, I mean, the only thing I'll say is, in, in people listening, probably think, "Oh, USPA has been the untested fed for a while." It hasn't. USPA is kind of new too. USPA yeah. is not a long-standing federation. I, th- I I don't know the exact date, but I, I want to say like their their main start was like 2014 to 15. Uh, but yeah, either way, with Going back, though, I, I still think if I look back, because I'm going to go more of the positive realm, let's be positive on this podcast for one time, Sheffield is the podcast story of the year. Because I, it, not only did we talk about it, it's literally it's every single episode in some manner is probably linking back to Sheffield or talking about Sheffield next year. It, it changed everything. It, it was it was the Trump card, and it's 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 the step powerlifting needed to take um, to create that growth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and- that you think you brought up is like the positive route there. And we usually don't do that on two white lights. Um, we try to think something or we, we pick something that we could talk about. It's usually something controversial. Um, you, you know, the trade true podcast with IPF Korea, like that was a story and like we got a lot of information on it and I know it's ongoing and he's working really hard in order to, you know, get some justice in that, but giving that podcast story of the year, it's like, Ooh, okay. You know, we we, <laughs> we don't yeah. really want, like, that being and, kind and of the face of a, a podcast yeah. story, you know? Well, like, Goop tried to can- 
Duke tried to cancel that and was unsuccessful. That showed that you can't cancel any powerlifting federation you want. No, no one seemed to care when he tried to go after that. Yeah, that was that 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 was strange. Like it, it uh, maybe because it is Korea and it's just further away from our demographic, where it's like, well, you know, we can't, we don't know the people involved, which is I don't know, kind of uh, a little bit of a a little bit of a sign towards like human nature and how we think as humans. Um, like if it doesn't affect you directly, then it's not that big of a deal. And I don't know I, that, like that whole thing was eye opening, but, um, the backlash from it was another eye opening thing, but Sheffield is definitely positive for the sport. Um, it's been, I mean, th- just to think if it happened in 2020, it could have a bigger impact, which I actually think it would have, it would have possibly had the USAPL still in the IPF. If it happened in 2020, yeah, it it, it's a it's a big possibility. Yeah. Um, can't speak on guarantees, but when you look at what we were able to do as a podcast, what King of the Lifts was able to do with the podcast, what Jurens is able to do with the podcast, it really has helped all of us. Like it has helped us get great content in, great stories, great moments. Um, obviously, the production value of it was was awesome. Um, and, you know, this year, kind of the same thing. You know, we're obviously busy, but we, you see it happen with um, with these great podcast interviews where they have a Sheffield series and they're able to give a spotlight to you know, lifters. And it's, you know, it's been done correctly um, for a lot of lifters moving over. That was definitely the trump card. Um, uh, for, for other lifters like me, it wasn't. It wasn't just solely that, but... Yeah, it's. I think it's something that's going to keep going they, too. They also there was a massive element of luck too. Now I'm not discrediting how amazing of a job SBD did and how good of a meet it was, but what if Evie doesn't go to 52 and pull off the biggest upset in powerlifting history or biggest shock? I'm sorry, don't want to offend anyone. And then what <laughs> if Jesus doesn't have the greatest performance in powerlifting well, history? Well, that's like you. Uh, it, I don't know. There was. Yeah. Because the performances still make the meat. Like, what if, if those two don't happen, I don't think it's the same meat. I actually, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I think that you would have Amanda Lawrence kind of get more, like, the spotlight of having, a, I think, the better meat, technically. She, but she wouldn't have won. She would have gotten third. Yeah, but still, I, I still think, like, if you remove that, though, you get more of a spotlight on different people. Now, granted, Evie was a bit, but that's more for so, for powerlifters, right? Like, that's a great story for us. Because if you're kind of expanding it to, like, a casual, it's like, okay, well, the person who's predicted 10th won. But then it's like, okay, she dropped out of weight class, well, surprisingly. Well, that's where I'm saying Jesus comes into play, because Jesus yeah. was the trump card for the non-powerlifter well, person like having that was the trump card there but and this is this is the element potentially of luck but then also if luck is happening so often then it's not luck because you have and that was the great thing about this meet is you have all of these situations you know thrown in there performances obviously make the meet but then like hey say, say from your scenario hey zeus doesn't get that you know what the most the thing that was talked about the most to students that I have who just kind of started following powerlifting was hey, it was Keiko and Gavin. And that perfect, that perfect, t- the perfectly timed. Well, again, just, 
And there was just a lot of little things that happened. Exactly. That because there was Deathfield had so much potential to not live up to the hype because of how much hype there was. There it, it was it was set to be the meat that changed everything. And if those things don't happen, it doesn't because like there there's been other meats that have amazing production and have been up there. I I don't I don't even think it would be a disagreement from the people who hosted it to say that like the actual production outside of being in a big amphitheater and the atmosphere there, but like the actual, like, I don't know if that was the biggest part of Sheffield. The biggest part of Sheffield is how they marketed it leading up to it to create hype and then the hype living up to the expectation and then continuing right back into creating a year long of hype. There hasn't been a gap. Every single week of the year, they have done marketing perfection to keep Sheffield relevant and keep creating hype for it. Yeah. That was the genius of the meat. Yeah. And it lived up to it, which only solidified their marketing message moving forward. And just, it just, now they don't have to necessarily have it again. It's been solidified. Yeah. It just, it just worked out perfect. Everything worked out perfect. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy it did. I'm not trying to demean it or, pull away from it anyway it's just that so many things fell in place that helped it to be what it was as well well yeah and i will that yeah it it speaks it it speaks volumes to what happens when you do something correctly right because like in your situation they put all the pieces in the right places and because of that you were if something kind of fell off, you have something to kind of fall back on, and that seems to happen with these really big events, right? Like look at the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was a constructed idea, was something okay. You have it at a neutral site, and then like this genius that comes in of you know let's let's do it at the Rose Bowl, and you get those little moments during the game where it's obviously not planned, like for Lynn Swan to make this catch or something, but you like okay. It's happening at the Rose Bowl in the day where you can see everything and it's going to be a great viewing experience. Obviously, you have the two best teams playing and then you get this amazing pitcher that you get. Like We didn't plan for the pitcher to take place. That's what happens when you have the best people face each other in a really good setting. That's what Sheffield did. And because of that, you're going to get those moments like, you know, some maybe, you know, like Atwood didn't perform very well. It didn't matter. Like we weren't focused on Atwood, like it kind of became a thing. Like okay, that's a, that's a side conversation, but you get great performances on top of that. Okay, here's where I'll admit I'm wrong and you're right, and I think it's what you're trying to say. It's just not exactly what you're trying to say, and I'm going to merge our two things because of the way they market it with the consistent building of storylines. They're creating so many opportunities for the storylines to play out how they want that one of them's going to hit. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, like I... They're creating so many storylines and hype that not all of them are going to hit, but if one of them hits, it works. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly it. But and, I mean, if you want to go and I, I guess we'll call it here, uh, it, like towards the USAPL pro series, that's was kind of our idea. Opposite. What's that? Yeah. I said polar opposite in the sense of no hype, no storylines. And so you are 100% relying on some random storylines to be created. And if they're not, it's a flop. 
Exactly. Well, I mean, and I mean, you go with the USAPL Pro Series and then the USAPL Nationals too. It's like I think they did a better job of somewhat hyping it and marketing it, but it, it just had to be done better. Where you had some of the great, like you had some of the greatest performances of all time at Nationals, but you know that alone couldn't carry it. Sometimes performances can't carry a meet by itself. You need other things, and that's what Sheffield did so well. It went viral. They got, you know, the 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 gifts made on Instagram of the lifters. That's a really cool element of it. Um, there there was a lot of great things there, and yeah, like you, I I knew it was big when I had students of mine like asking me about Sheffield, and I'm like, okay, that's that's huge because I know that they're not powerlifting super fans, that they're not competitive in powerlifting, they have an interest in powerlifting, and now they're probably going to compete in powerlifting based on what they've seen on social media, and. It was, it was a lot of, it was, and it was a lot of things you mentioned, right? It was, it was the Jesus, Gavin, Keiko kind of being combined there, it looking cool. And now more people are, are interested in the sport. So podcast story of the year, it goes to Sheffield. All right. Next up, breakout male performer. So again, I'm going to list all the ones I have because I had a lot we had some really good breakouts, but I think there's three that kind of stand out based off of not only the performances, but also what it means in the grand scheme and what they accomplished. Joe Bornstein, which we're back to the argument. Last year we had to argue argument. Was he the breakout or was he a breakout candidate? I think I'm right that he was a breakout candidate because the breakout was this year, not yeah. last year. I got a lot of thoughts on this one too. So Okay. Carl Johansson and then Waskar Carpio. Yeah. I think those are the three big breakouts. And the other nominations I have that uh, I think are very valid, but I think that's the next tier, uh, Brian Lee, Chris Perez, Jurens, uh, Frank Allen, Alex Lucko, Dominique Fuqua, Jalen Falk, and Devin Williams. I think all of these are big breakouts, but I think based on what they accomplished or what it means in the grand scheme of powerlifting, I thought Joe, Carl, and Waskar kind of took the cake there. Yeah, I, I, I think it, bi- maybe, you, and you can say maybe biased with Waskar since I coach him, but you can call me out if not, but I don't think I'm wrong. I think that was pretty big. Per- personally, I would throw Lucky in the, in that third spot um, based on like the actual breakout being second place. And I, I, we've, I think we're not surprised that he got second place, but the ability to put numbers on his total. But at the same time, like you could talk about like who should be nominated. I think it's a two-person race between Joe and Carl. And it's a very strange one because, and we'll get to most under uh, the Austin Perkins award for most underrated lifter, because I want to put Joe Bornstein on that list because of conversations like this. We got Carl and Joe as a breakout performer when Carl is going to probably get this award because no one expected him to be Taylor Atwood. I mean, we had a few predictions, like, he can make some noise here, but then he got and performed, did a fantastic job. But Joe's been doing stuff like this for a longer period of time, and that's why he might not get the breakout performance. And then he does his at the same time as Austin, where I think Joe, in totality, is a better lifter, and he just sometimes loses that spotlight because of the situation he's in. Where if Joe was in this situation, this might be a hot take. If Joe was in this situation, IPF against Taylor Atwood, I think Joe wins. And I think he beats Carl. And then we're talking about Joe Bornstein. And then at another level 
of it too, because I Joe Bornstein can total, I think, 800 kilos. Based on his performance at Nationals, I think he can do that multiple times. But he's moving up a weight class now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, if Joe was doing ITF Worlds, I probably would have picked him. Because I thought, I, I figured Joe could go about 800. That's where we had it for Nationals. And I figured Taylor's about 790. I, this one's tough because you, you said it. If they go head-to-head this year, not in the future, because like Carl's making really good progress, and obviously Joe's going to weight class, but this year, Joe wins. Like, Joe jumped from a 742.5 kilo total to 800 kilos this year. That's massive. That's 20-something more kilos than Carl total. It's just, the, the Carl thing fully relies on the fact that he beat Taylor. If you take that Taylor works. out of this, I don't think it's a debate. And I kind of have an issue with that because... Taylor, like, it, it. this would be the same thing as Jesus beating Ray this year. Is Does that actually mean that much anymore? It, I, I think it does because Carl had a great meet. Like, he had, a, he had a great meet. So, like, that, at least her performance was good. Um, if you beat Taylor on his best day, then, of course, like, your breakout performer, performer of the year, but... It's it's all about stage, in that opinion. Or uh, not in that opinion. In that circumstance. If the stage was different, if it wasn't IPF Worlds, would we be discussing this in the same way? And Joe Borenstein, I don't know, he, he turned, yeah, it turned into, like, the fourth biggest story out of Nationals, in spite of him having an unbelievable meet. And he, he did this last year, too. He had a great meet at the Arnold. He had a great meet at Nationals. He is putting up some really good numbers in this weight class, and he's only he was only growing, and I think he turned himself into, the, you know, one of the one of the best three lifters in this weight class in its history. And he just doesn't get that because he did it the same day as Austin Perkins, and he didn't have a stage of IPF Worlds. Yeah, I'm torn on that one. I mean, obviously, I'm biasing towards Waskar, but for the sake of the fact that I don't think you're going to lean that way, I'm going to have to pick one or the other uh, between Joe and Carl to make this an actual thing in regards to... Um, I, did we mention it yet? Or, so, if, if anyone... We did this last year. Our tiebreakers are the votes I did on my story. So, all of our best lifter ones, I did polls on my story, and those are the tiebreakers. So, if me and Angelo can't decide, the tiebreaker is the public vote. Uh, and Joe won that. And then Carl was second and Waskar was third. I mean, uh, Waskar, I mean, yeah, he didn't necessarily beat someone like a Taylor Atwood because he just kind of destroyed everyone. Like, he actually, like, Waskar made an entire weight class relevant again. Yeah. was This This is probably the first time people had cared about 59 kilos in a while. Um, not only because there was a, there's been a little bit of a gap of uh, uh, Fedoshenko not being able to compete, but even before then, like, he just knew Fedoshenko was going to win. It was, it was just kind of like a foregone conclusion. Waskar brought an entire weight class back to, like, notoriety. Like, it, that's pretty big in my opinion. That's why I think he needs to be mentioned in these three. But I, I can understand the Carl versus Joe debate in the sense of, like, Carl, like, I mean, like, if we're looking at, like, 800 kilos, Joe hit 800 kilos. He's only the third person to ever do that. And, frankly, if he was in the 82 and a half kilo class, I mean, what, he places fourth, I think, fourth or fifth? Yeah, well, I mean, more, more weight kilo to total. Yeah, more weight to keep on, too. And then is... Carl obviously beat the, the 
one of the greatest champions in the history of powerlifting. So, I don't know. I, I'm pretty split on this. I think you decided. Are you saying Carl? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I want to say Carl because I think the perception was he was the best breakout performer because of what he did. But I think Joe Bornstein is the better lifter, and I, I want to put him on most underrated lifter because of that. Like, he's not getting that credit for being this good. Because right now, he should be, you know, in the conversation with Perkins, but he's not. You know, and, and, all right, for that reason, I'm, I'm going to go. Okay. I'm going Joe on this one. Yeah, saying it out loud, just that, to me, makes sense of he had the better year in totality. He had the better meat. It was an unbelievable meat, too. I, I really, that 800 kilos looked easy for him. I don't give a rat's ass if he didn't travel. Well, he did. He probably traveled farther than Carl did. Excellent point. Because again, no, he did it. People in your <laughs> but, but excellent point. Wait. I get it. Uh, well, that right. was a joke. <laughs> no, F- Florida to Memphis, I think, is farther than is a farther flight, that, or the, at least similar to Sweden to Malta. No, Sweden, Sweden is Malta. Sweden is more up north. Let me let me do it. Sweden okay. to Malta <laughs> flight time three hours and fifty five minutes. No. Florida to Memphis. Way closer. Flight. Way closer. Time. It's Florida. Three Memphis hours and fifty three minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we'll. All right. So based on that alone, so, Carl Johansson is your best. Even on travel. Well, yeah. So based on that alone, based on that like few hour gap, Carl Johansson, best breakout performer of the year. No. Uh. So yeah. Still Joe. Yeah. Still Joe Bornstein. Um. Yeah. I. I. I think just I'll go saying Joe it out loud. I mean, I, Okay. I biased I biasly want to pick Waskar, but it doesn't really matter because Joe's gonna win because he's got the fan vote to be the tiebreaker, and I don't feel like pissing off Joe and him blanking Angelo Moore. So Joe Borenstein, breakout male performer. So breakout female performer. I don't think this one really is gonna require much debate. Mm-hmm. I think this one's pretty set in the bag. And on the polls, it was not really even close to. Albeit we had some big breakouts. So we got Evie Corrigan. Yeah. Sinita Mula. I might be saying that wrong. Uh, Brandon Warford, Brittany Schlater, and I think those are the four main ones. Then I also listed Kiara Bernardi, May Angeli Sagual, and Megan Lee Smith. Well, I, I think Brittany could have a good uh, argument here because she had a pretty big upset in that really stacked 84-plus uh, kilo division. Uh, it was Evie. Yeah. I, I think Evie has to... It, 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 this is... I mean, she came the year as the person that people were looking at. I mean, I'd be one of them. I'll, I'll be open to admit that, like, you kind of saw her on the Sheffield roster and said, hey, this doesn't fully fit in. I think because she got the regional bid. Um, and then she does the 52 weight class, 52 kilo weight class thing, and then it changes everything. Mm-hmm. changes everything because she's 57 kilo we're probably not talking about it but since she went to 52 since the world record total wins sheffield then does it easily again at she- at the worlds where she doesn't have to take her third deadlift yeah i mean no brainer breakout female performer of the year evie gorgon yeah i mean also when you throw in the fact that she had yeah i think one thing that's i i'm 
I'm not going to say it's not being mentioned because I think it's probably the first conversation of you know a breakout performer of the year was the world's performance as well. I think she could have done it alone with Sheffield because she hits the definition of breakout performer. Not a lot of people knew her name in powerlifting, and now pretty much everyone knows her name. That's the definition of breakout performer. Yeah, and then not a one-hit wonder. Like, I think the biggest thing for me is after she did that, you're like, oh, like, was this just kind of like a, like a, some type of stunt just to win Sheffield? It wasn't because she went to Worlds and was stronger, and now you keep seeing her training, and it's looking even better and better. It's very obvious she can be in this weight class and get stronger and be dominant. I mean, she this is a, the, the 52-kilo class has, has been kind of the underperforming class in women's powerlifting. The records have been pretty low. I'll, that's one of the reasons we talked about why it was such a good strategy going in, and that's why she went to 52, because it was it was a kind of an uh, uh, underperforming class. And she's changing that. She not only set the world record, uh, but it's it's to the point now where, I mean, I, I, I'll have to see when I start doing more scouting for Sheffield, but 470, I mean, I, I very much expect her to be one of the favorites to win it again, which is the crazy part. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think she's hands down, which – which uh, the fact is, like, especially Sanita and Brittany uh, in that 84-plus, any other year, I think Brittany takes it because that one of the coolest things this year was how the amazing battle we had in that 84-plus division. It's just that they went up against the Force and Evie, and the Sheffield is the, is the trump card. Winning that, winning the, the biggest meet of all time and pulling that strategy out uh, was incredible. Like, that... There, I don't think there's anyone else in powerlifting that went from relatively unknown to being a star of the sport in such a, a short time as, as Evie did this year. I got to check that again. What was her follower? What's her followers at? That was it's still not crazy. It's still not crazy. Like it did not go anything absolutely insane. But I, I thought mean, it went from like I think a couple thousand, and now it's I'm pulling it up fourteen thousand. Okay, no, that's that's crazy. If you're saying that's crazy, that is like. The amount of time it takes people to build a following up to 10,000. I don't know about Instagram nowadays, but I remember when, you know, people were building a following to get up to 10K. You get the little, you know, that special K. Um, it it takes a lot It takes a lot of things, right? It takes like, okay, you got to be active. You got to post your shit. You got to post, you know, maybe some funny stuff, maybe some interesting stuff. She did it with a meet, she skyrocketed thousands and thousands of followers because of a singular performance. That is not really seen. That is something, like, it used to be you would get, like, 500. You get the King of Lifts bump. If you're never on King of Lifts, you would go up, like, 300 followers or something. I remember the first time I was posted, like, that was a really big bump. And then, like, if a meme page posted you, that was a big bump. Not because you did a meet. It should be that way. And maybe through all the reposts, like, that's where it gets. But I think it was people were watching and powerlifting. People didn't know her. It's like, this is a person we have to follow on the same level as Amanda Lawrence, as, um, as uh, Leah Beauvoir, as, as uh, Turbo Tiff. Because, like, she's in the same meet and she just won. So you have to follow her. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, she, yeah, I think that's an easy one. I mean, she's she's in the running too for best female lifter in general, not even just breakout female performer. Yeah, accolades um, wise, and that was just. I mean, if you're talking accolades, she's probably the most decorated person of the year, other than maybe Jesus. 
uh, definitely most decorated female. So absolutely massive year for Evie. Um, and she was gracious about all the underrating. Um, everyone underrated her yeah. and, uh, and did not uh, uh, give her the due credit going in, albeit we also didn't know her, her strategy going in. Well, but, if she uh, would have not been a good sport about that, I would have been mad. Because it's like... <laughs> You didn't well, we tell know us. That there's, we know that there's. We know that there's plenty of people who would be. Yeah, I know. About that. We we have, we have dealt with that plenty that people hide stuff yeah. and then act like we were supposed to have known. But <laughs> yeah, like we we didn't know you were going to do that. You can't expect us to know. Um, if I would, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a female lifter who's ever done that to us, and, and maybe it's been a few. But it would if it was just a male. Like any male? <laughs> it's mainly guys. We have we've only had a couple women who have gotten pretty pissy at us. Yeah. So, but all right. So Evie, breakout female performer. So getting into the next awards, just to notate this because we're going to do it a little bit different this year, is we're going to have best male and best female tested lifter, best male and best female untested lifter, and then frankly, call us biased. I don't care. All of our single lift awards are just going to be tested. Because, yeah. frankly, the issue with untested is there's there's not enough depth, and we're just going to say the same three or four people over and over and over, and there's really not much to go over. It's I mean, if someone, other podcast wants to do it, go for it. Call us the Natty Bias. We probably are. But we're well, just going to do best male and female untested and not do single lists for them. Yeah, I'm going to interject. Same thing with, like, when we were called misogynistic, and, you know, women powerlifters made their own podcasts to cover women's sports, which is good. Like, I like that. Untested, if you want awards make an untested podcast that's not have natty guys you know make your awards for you because we're obviously going to be more involved in natural powerlifting and the the tested side of powerlifting so hey make your own we love some of you we love some of you <laughs> there's there's a lot actually there's a lot of i don't a lot of the, the untested is, side i love there's a few there that uh, just annoy the hell out of me um, I don't think a, a ton tested podcast like that would ever work though. It actually works for two natty guys to do it because we don't care if they get pissed at us. If two untested people did what we do about untested, it would just be war constantly. It would actually be probably very so, entertaining though. It would be incredibly entertaining. They got to do that. Uh, from, from our experience, the untested people get way more pissed off than anyone else. But yeah, that's how we're going to break it up. Um, and I think that's a legitimate way because really like, we're just going to kind of hand out the same awards to the same people. It's it's not really a, a deep thing to be able to do because untested, you, there's no debate. Untested is not very deep. There's just, there's a couple people way out in front and that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, all right. Best male lifter. It, it really probably, I'm going to give all the nominations again, but it comes down to probably Jesus versus Austin. I think everyone, I mean, Rondell, I think. Uh, is yeah, in you got to put Rondell in there too. He's in the conversation, but from there, I think everyone's going to kind of talk. Any other year, Rondell wins this, as well as Dan Clements. I mean, the top four to me is Jesus, Austin, Rondell, and Dan. The unfortunate thing for Rondell and Dan, who probably any other year might win this, is they had Jesus and Austin this year, which was the, the two greatest performances ever in powerlifting history by a male. I don't even, I, I mean, outside of John Hack, I'm not even going to say like, uh, like, untested or tested i'm saying all the powerlifting ever it's probably john hack jesus austin uh maybe throw in some egg cones if you want to go old school uh, but outside of that ashton keiko anatoly petrie had some amazing performances but i don't think they're as legendary or bob too as legendary as jesus austin rondell and dan 
But, I mean, I think the main debate is going to come down to Jesus and Austin. And it goes to, do you do you credit yep. just lifted the most weight ever, or do you credit the greatest coefficient score performance ever and the fact that Austin is now the strongest 83 kilo lifter of all time as well and he weighs 74 point something yeah I all right so when we're talking it's not best male performance this is best male lifter of the year so in any sport right it's performance based on statistics in the regular season um which they got to change that. I would like to go postseason. A little different in powerlifting because I do think you have to throw accolades on top of that. I I have my mind made up already. I think you probably know what, what it's going to be, but... I don't know because you debate. I, I've already said who I'm going to pick. I said it last year. If something happened, yeah. it's nail in the coffin and I'm picking it. Yeah. You have kind of went back and forth a couple times, so I don't know which one. Actually, well, I kind of do because you voted on the poll, so yeah. I saw what you voted, but... All right, you go. I mean, I'll say first because mine's easy, and then I'll let you debate. Mine's Jesus. Yeah. I said if Jesus beat Ray's, that like that's nail in the coffin. I have to pick him, Bale Messlifter, and he didn't just beat Ray. He beat Dan Bell. Yeah. And once you beat Dan Bell, and you literally are the strongest human being on the face of this planet ever in powerlifting, and you did it natural. At that, I love Austin. He, he, this is his a way to be able to be underrated again so he can thank us because now he can label himself underrated. But Jesus, greatest performance ever, best lifter of the year. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's an easy one for me. Yeah, it, it's, it's performance alone on that with Jesus that gives me, that gives me the idea to give him the, the best male lifter of the year award. That performance, but then also accolades on top of that. And I, I, I said it when he did it, it's it's that number, thousand six hundred nine hundred. I told that to people I work with. Told that to pe- everyone's like, what? All those numbers? Like he does that? How big is the person? Now it's like this. Like they're trying to envision the man strong enough to do a thousand pound squat, a six hundred pound deadlift, and a nine hundred or yeah, six hundred pound bench and a nine hundred pound deadlift. You know, then, then you can't, you're like, that's... With with the strictest judging on yeah. a stiff bar. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, that part they don't even get, because they're just, they're not even close to being interested in the sport at all. It's like, and then if you tell, like, well, it was, it, they're tested, so other people have done this, have been on steroids. Two, it's very strict judging, and three, you know, with that deadlift, it's a stiff bar, and it's hard, to, you know, you're not even explaining that stuff to them. You're just explaining the numbers and their, you know, eyes right away are like, that's insane. I never heard anything like that. So that alone, I think, puts him in that category. Um, Then that would give him my vote. But if Austin Perkins beat, if he was IPF route, beat Taylor Atwood this year and had that, maybe that 810 meet that he had within the same time, or 820, I'm sorry, 820 meet that he had within the same year, and had that 851 performance, all three of those, would that be enough to put him as the best male lifter of the year? Because it's, it's it would be accolade-based. He would finally beat Taylor because he has lost to him, you know, two times. And that was the person to kind of surpass. And if he had a great meet, on, like he totaled 800 at that meet as well. And I, I think he totally would have if he was, you know, in his alternate scenario competing at IPF Worlds. Had that local meet where he absolutely killed it. And then had the meet at Nationals where he had one of the best performances, arguably, to many people, the best performance of all time. 
if you combine all those, then do you put him above a Jesus? Because we're talking about Jesus's performance as opposed to uh, like a season of accomplishments. Uh, no, the the Dan Bell thing tipped it for me. The, the, Jesus's performance was so insane that I I don't know how much you know about this. I've heard a decent amount about this. Like Jesus has pissed off a lot of like the untested community because of like the fact of him beating Dan Bell and like I should even say claiming Natty. Jesus is Natty, and they're all pissed because he's saying he's Natty, and they don't think he is. Like that's actually a decent thing that I, I've heard that the untested side like actually legitimately like doesn't like Jesus because of it because that I mean he, it was so good that it pissed them off. Because it kind of ruined, he literally kind of ruined untested lifting. Because you, the strongest human being on the planet is now tested. Yeah. Like, what's the what's the point of untested lifting if the strongest human strongest human being there is is natural? Yeah. Like, it kind of ruined it. I, and so, oh, now, for I mean, sure. I, I'm looking now, at a sense of just other sports, right? Like, like uh, the ball. Like the thing is, I don't. I think I, this award I do, is kind of equivalent to the ball and door in soccer, where they just like. How many trophies did you win throughout your league? What was your numbers? Like, kind of combining all of it. Uh, that's that's how I'm looking at it. I'm, I guess I'm just throwing uh, some alternate scenarios. I don't. Up. I look at it a little different. I mean, I I'm gonna put performance a bit over accolades when talking about this because in powerlifting we have a very objective number. Yeah. It's not like soccer or other sports where who cares if you're the best player on a terrible team? No one gives a crap if you are the best player in the NBA and your team's five and seventy something. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You you have to win to be the best. In powerlifting, we have an objective thing. Like you lifted the most weight. Like that that a lot of times trumps accolades. Yeah, but he did. Like that's the thing. Perk has that too. He lifted the most weight by far within his weight class. But that, I, I'm agreeing because that has, I mean that's the reason why we're considering Perk. Because if you're saying accolades, winning USAPL Nationals isn't what it used to be, albeit winning USAPL Nationals at 75 almost meant something more than winning it at Worlds to an oh, extent. Oh, it did. It, Joe, it, it totally did. Joe, if you're going to debate that to me, Joe you're was, insane. Yeah, Joe was 20-something kilos over the – I mean it was harder to win USAPL Nationals for that weight class than it was to it win just Worlds. Didn't, it didn't matter. Um, it did, the so, battle didn't matter yeah, because of way, how good I mean, Perk was. I, the, the Jesus beating Dan's total made it completely untouchable to me. That made it completely untouchable that I, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't know the number Austin would have to do, but it at this point to me, I, I think I, actually, I think I said it. Didn't I say 855 and then Austin only did 851? I said 855 is what he needed to do. I think so. It was just so ridiculous to say. No, it's all ridiculous. I mean, again, we're we're arguing between two people who every well, other year it would be an absolute shoe well, in. It's not even discussion. The, well, the other one is Rondell. That we haven't even well, mentioned yeah, his name, but then like yeah. we can really put him on. Like, it, yeah, it's ridiculous because Rondell again, he's one of those lifters that doesn't, who doesn't get that opportunity to compete regularly because of his situation. But and then he went out and had I would say pretty much every other year, including the Taylor Atwood year, where Taylor Atwood um, told eight thirty eight. Yeah, I put I put I Rondell's put performance Taylor. would be better than that. I mean, Dan too. Dan out totaled the IPF champ by forty kilos. Yeah, I no, it's yeah, I that would be it, that would be a very strong candidate under any year, which is good because that means you have four 
amazing competitions from lifters in one year. And we're always kind of at that word, like, are we going to see this replicated? Are we going to see these numbers replicated year after year? Yeah. Because no, this is pretty crazy. Because all four of them had the super meet. It's crazy that four people had a super meet this year like this. Yeah. Um, and we're still waiting because we got a couple. We got Ashton and Bob who we've been waiting on a super meet from. Uh, those haven't quite happened, which is why they're not necessarily in the discussion here, which I think they will be next year if they have that super meet. But, yeah, to have all four of them have – because we've all used we have, we've always used the Taylor Atwood 838 as like this this standard of like and then four people basically did it this year. I, yeah. I would consider all four of those to that standard, and they all did it, yeah. which is just nuts. But it's just that Jesus, you lifted the most weight ever, and you lifted more than people on steroids um, by a good margin under the stricted judging on a stiff bar. Uh, it that's just otherworldly. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm giving it to Jesus too. But yeah, I guess going you know. I think after Sheffield, I'd said he is my winner for best male lifter of the year. And, um, yeah, I, the, the, the unfortunate thing is I don't know what Perk could have done because asking him to total 860 is, like, ridiculous. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, go, I'm, I'm, I'm going Jesus. Um, and potentially we'll see them get to actually somewhat do a battle with each other at Sheffield in the upcoming future. So, Yep. Yep. All right. Best female lifter. I think we, I think we actually legitimately have five here. This one's tough. Um, this one's tough, uh, because it's, it's, there's a lot of different scenarios here and this one's a bit like, I don't think it's cut and dry because it's what do you actually, uh, what's the right word? What, what is your, what do you prioritize? Yeah. And so I think the five, there's even more, so I'm going to list them all, but I think there's five that like kind of stand out uh, based on the totals they put up. Uh, Alexis Jones, Natalie Richard, Kalora Gara, Amanda Lawrence, and Evie Corrigan. I think those are the five. And then you've got Leah and Carlina were amazing, but I don't think they quite were in that discussion. Leah was obviously hurt, so never put up a full total. She kind of didn't even go full out at Worlds. Carlina had an amazing year, but... She, she didn't even beat her. She didn't beat her total from last year. Like I think she needed to go 600 plus over last year to be in that same bracket, in my opinion. But from there, like you got this debate. You've got Alexis Jones, the biggest total of all time. You've got Natalie Richards, the highest good lift score the entire year. Uh, maybe one of the better battles, if not the best battle at Worlds, and was the underdog and beat someone who everyone thought she was, she was going to lose to, and had just the perfect meet. You had Carola Gara, who I think is the most underrated out of all of these, based on the polls especially. Like, I don't think people really understand what she did and how crazy it was. Amanda Lawrence, who, frankly, if you're using good lift score, was the best lifter at Sheffield and then basically repeated the performance almost at, 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 at Worlds, where she keeps just destroying everyone in her weight class. And then you've got Evie, who, based on, like, good, like, coefficient score isn't quite with those, but then you got to say, okay, she won Sheffield. She won worlds. Are we going to put accolades? So is it biggest total? Is it highest good lift score? Is it competitiveness to your weight class or is it accolades? Well, I think based on your definition, it's biggest total or, you know, I said that, but that was based off of the fact that's not always what I'm going to say. I I don't disagree that Alexis, Alexis, I, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I think unbiasedly, and I don't think polls disagree, I think the, the main debate comes down to Natalie versus Alexis and what do you want to prioritize here. Yeah. Um, 
The only issue I have in the sense of Alexis and why I why I don't have the same exact thought process as Jesus is partially because we've never had this total. On the men's side, we've had this total. We've had the Ray. We've had the Dan Bell. These completely untouchable totals that we've always compared against. On the women's side, Alexis is kind of the first to be doing this. We don't really have this comparison of how impressive is oh, this. Does I, that make sense? Um, I, I think we do with uh, Bonica. But I don't think... But the thing is, with Shamanica, it was a debate if Amanda was going to out-total her for a while. That's yeah. why I, do, I, I don't think we ever looked at her total as this like unreachable standard. Because for a while it was, does Amanda and Daniela out-total Shamanica Frown? Because yeah. they were pretty close. Now, they never did, but they were close. Uh, that's why I don't think we ever looked at that as like some untouchable, like God tier total. Like we looked at Ray where no one was even within like a stone's throw of him. Yeah. Uh, but for, Yeah. For me with Alexis being the trendsetter and I think with the performances that she's had and the amount of weight that she's lifting, she has those numbers that are equivalent to Jesus. In my opinion, it's like when you say a female lifter is doing this amount of weight, you immediately get taken back by it um yeah i i would say those numbers are in the ballpark of you know getting close to a dan bell you know like where she might she if we're looking at someone who just might be that person that's kind of who i'm looking at natalie longevity wise or as far as the actual season to go yes ipf world champion um you know great meat thrown in there as well but I mean, unfortunately, she doesn't get the Sheffield bump because she wasn't at Sheffield, but she beats, you know, the person who was at Sheffield in competition. Um, and then, like, and then I go, I then that's where I start going to Amanda Lawrence as well, who was kind of the one of the one of the better performers at Sheffield and didn't get that spotlight. Uh, but I, I'm leaning heavy towards Alexis. Again, obviously, I'm going to have some bias here. If if people get upset about that, I. Cool. I, I coach Natalie, but I think I have some valid reasoning as well. So again, like I said, my, my biggest thing with Alexis is her total was insane. I'm not discrediting that. It's just been hard to compare that to kind of what we're looking for because we haven't had that standard and she's setting that standard. Um, and what I would say, if I'm looking at the actual list done, I think because of that, I put Natalie and Alexis on a pretty even playing field total-wise. I mean, Natalie did 5, 12 and a half. We were talking about never anyone going over 500 until this year, and she did 5, 12 and a half. The difference then becomes, in my opinion, that's the tipping point, is that Natalie did it head-to-head -head against arguably who could have been the second-best lifter at Worlds in Jaja Cop. Like, if, if Jad was not competing with competition and could have just pulled what she wanted to, she arguably could have won best lifter overall uh, instead of Natalie if she wasn't there. So Natalie arguably beat the other best lifter in the world based off a good lift score and head-to-head -head in competition when she wasn't the favorite. She was a she was a pretty decent underdog. And that's my tipping point, is if you're going to put them kind of where in the spot where, like, okay, it's hard to kind of translate which total's better because they're different weight classes. It's Like I said, I, I, do, I, I obviously said total matters for Jesus, and that's why I'm saying Alexis over in the sense of, like, Amanda or Carola or Evie. But if I'm doing the tipping point with Natalie versus Alexis, my tipping point is the fact of the actual head-to-head -head battle that Natalie had at a world competition. Yeah. I mean, they're valid arguments. I take that. 
I, yeah, I'm looking at a perspective where I think Alexis Jones is that person. I, I think there's a very good chance. I'll, I'll give you a number. I'll, I'll say a number that I won't go back on. If Alexis totals 740 plus next year, she has it in the bag. I will, no matter what anyone else does, I give it to her. That's, okay. that's my total that someone has to hit on the women's side to be the Jesus level. Yep. And I think she's where capable. I just, where yeah. I, I think she's capable I think of it's doing just that. Entirely, it's just entirely untouchable at that point. Yeah. I think she's capable of doing that. Um, but yeah, I would, I, but like this for me, based on what I've seen this year from Alexis, I, especially, I think she's a, a victim of just her being really good. And then her being, you know, in the USAPL where she didn't get that platform to do it on like a Sheffield, like an IPF Worlds, go head to head with her Monica down. And I, I, yeah, um, I think that's, a, but I, I don't really like to throw that in there. It's like, if you can't, you compete, who you compete against. And then you hit those numbers. And I'll tell you from experience, it's really hard to be like, okay, I'm going to total this when, you know, you don't need to. It, it, that's a really hard thing to do. Like that, that head-to-head competition kind of drives you to hit those totals, and then I don't know, like just going well, out there saying, and doing Natalie it. Natalie would it. Our attempt selection would have been higher if Natalie didn't have to be now, that too. in that battle. That too. Well, no, yeah, the, but the argument for Natalie is very strong, especially when I think sh- she did a very hard thing in powerlifting, which is kind of halt the momentum of another up-and-coming lifter. Jaja Cub, like, that was kind of the person we were talking about after last year, was this person might turn into the best female lifter in the world, surpassing Leo, surpassing Amanda, surpassing a lot of other lifters, and you you hyper-focus on that. Then Natalie comes in, and now she is that person in the conversation, and she really halted that momentum from Jod. That's, that's a difficult thing to do, and also, you know, uh, a lot more comparable we're talking about sports is you beat someone who is very good and they were ahead of you and now you're ahead of them. That is, that yeah. is a big victory, but yeah, I, I'm so, uh, I, I, if I went Jesus on my earlier one, I, I'm, I'm going to go Alexis on this one. Okay. Well, you went Alexis. I went Natalie tiebreaker goes to the pulling and that means winner goes to Natalie. All right. No issues from me. I don't know. You might get some, which would be great. I'm I'm all for yeah, Steve Denovi. It'd be terrible that I picked my own lifter, who was a valid argument. Would yeah. be absolutely terrible. Well, I mean, according to some, this is the one of the most important award shows of the year. Actually, I would say the most important award show because people legitimately got pissed off when they didn't win. Yeah, we were we were told by an entire team to stop supporting us because we didn't give enough awards. Yeah, and. We, yeah, it, apparent, I thought none, none of the, considering it's in the same realm as, you know, thread of the year and social media post of the year, and then us laughing for 15 minutes about the IPF calling Japanese people inferior in a post, that's within yeah. the same award show. But yeah, um, I, I would say it's still a prestigious award. Natalie Richards wins. Um, yeah, and... I think a great debate is to be had there. Uh, all right, going on to the okay. untested side. Yeah, best male untested lifter. 
uh, do we just want to call this the John Hack Award? Do we? Yes. I mean, is there? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm I, I got my nominations. We got Jawan Garrison, John Hack, Zach Myers, and Blake LeHugh. I did have some people message me on the poll and said, "Isn't Jawan tested?" And I said, "Well, he competed untested, and that was where he put up." Yeah, his I think he should win. For he is. I think he should he win untested lifter. He is up for the best male untested lifter of the year, but. He still got crushed by John Hack, and it's not even close, which is, again, why we're not doing the full awards for Untested, because it would just be kind of the John Hack uh, dick-riding show, albeit it's a good dick to ride. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope he listens to that and memes that are post that somewhere. Yeah, that's that one is that one was tough to walk away from. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> all right john hack for me that's an easy one i don't feel like we should debate for 10 minutes on this one because it's just the job no hack i want no I, I want to pick i want to pick the one i want to pick the one for best untested lifter of the year and uh i say that because the two tested meets he did he didn't get drug tested for and he left early for the other one yeah so but hey He's going to compete at Sheffield. That's his next frontier. When will that happen? Oh. Who knows? 2032. 20, I I want to see how long he can go in saying that he's going to compete tested. Because now well, it is, it's, a, it's a, now it is it's, comical it's, to me. It's a battle. Well, actually, I think the battle's over because I, I give credit. He kind of stopped with this. But it was a battle of Juwan saying he's going tested versus Taylor saying he's going 83. It, it kept oh, being no. a battle of he, Yeah, Juwan, um, he wins that award. Juwan, unfulfilled, Juwan, Juwan's winning it now. Okay, we have to make a new award. Unfulfilled promise of the year. Um, Juwan Garrison said he's going uh, going to test it. He's gonna, going to compete at Nationals because he's been saying that since 2020 about um, Taylor Atwood hinting that he's going to go to 83, even though it was satirically done, but I don't know if he knows the definition of satire or Russ saying that he was going to do bodybuilding, uh, go up weight classes and really do a lot. Oh, and, like, go, and go to set. He was going to compete at 74. Yeah. He had a lot of, and he's, he's a person who I think is a victim of speaking like on a YouTube and now he has a podcast a lot where you can easily keep receipts on things. So unfulfilled promise of the year, Jawan Garrison, Going to the tested side of powerlifting. Yeah, I, I'm going see. John. You're going Jawan for best male untested, and the polls say John Hack by a large margin. So John Hack is our best male un- untested lifter of the year. So best female. Yeah, all the people doing the polls have no idea what they're talking about because this one should be easy too. We got Christy Hawkins, Samantha Rice, Brianni Terry, Hunter Henderson, and then Denise Herber. And did she even win? Let me see here. It, the the poll was way too close. People would, I mean, all these lifters are great. I, credit to like Briani, Hunter, and Sam. They've made amazing progress. They've closed the gap. But Christy Hawkins is the John Hack of Hack of tested thing. Like it's kind of not been close for a while, and it the gap was closed a little bit. But she hit a she hit the all time highest dots ever, regardless. And I mean that one's pretty easy to me. Okay, yeah. Christie only got 38% of the vote. Hunter got 34. Briani got 23. And then Sam Rice, who I believe Sam Rice is above Hunter and Briani, only got 6%. So uh, maybe that's just our population doesn't know untested power. Lifting. I would say if you remove Hack from because he's he gets the popular vote because he's John Hack, uh, just naturally. 
if you threw in Dan Griggs in some of these conversations, he would win because of singular. Like I would, I would say he would surpass people because of single moment type of stuff. Oh yeah, that's why. That's why I didn't. Because in reality, Zach Myers was on the nomination list. He didn't hardly get any votes because no one knew Zach Myers is. If I put Dan Grigsby, I guarantee Dan would have got a bunch of votes just because people don't really know. I, I, I mean, think that's what's happening with lifter, but yeah, just the single lift thing. I think the yeah, I think the Hunter Henderson who she is. Um, yeah, and it's deservedly so. And then same thing with Briani. Like, you remember, and she had the moment, I would say, Briani of the American Pro. And, but Chrissy yeah. Hawkins is, yeah, kind of the the super lifter of the yeah. untested side where she's destroying she out. Yeah, she outdots Sam Rice was second. She outdots Sam Rice by like 35 something or 35 points. So, again, this is the best for, or in, including Denise Herber, too. I mean, we had maybe the most stacked five women ever in an untested meet. And it's just that Christy is the GOAT. She's the John Hack of the female side. And it's just kind of, it, it, it's, she's been unbeatable. So I, I, it's, I, was, I was very surprised by the polling there. And I think it's a lot of our, our fan base not being super well informed of just like how dominant Christy Hawkins is. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we're so, educating the fans right now. Yeah, Christy is the best female untested lifter. Samantha, Briani, Hunter, and Denise are incredible, but Christy's just, she's the best. Like, it's not really, like, up for debate, really. Yeah. So, um, all right. Getting into the individual list. Best male squat. So, I got five nominations here. Jesus Oliveras, Austin Perkins, Devin Morveau, which I don't think anyone would expect that name, but he did squat 332.5 at 89 kilos. Ashton and then Rondell. So, um, I mean, I, I can see a debate for honestly any of them. I don't know. I'll let you start on this one versus uh, me starting. Who I, do you think I, of those five? No, I, I, it, might, it might be telling. I'm, I'm sincerely scared that we're going to give Jesus all the awards for this one. For squat, bench, and deadlift. Uh, no, not deadlift. No, deadlift will be someone else. Yeah, I, oh yeah, that's the one where I see. But I'm like, yeah, the fir- but the first nine hundred pound deadlift. But I, it's a K, a K squat. But I, I think that I think the argument, the one person that kind of has the argument is is Austin. Yeah, I mean, he squatted. He didn't squat seven hundred. I think we all know he probably could have squatted seven hundred. Yeah. Yeah, if he would have squatted seven hundred, he would have got this, but he didn't do it. <laughs> so, and so to pe- for people to know too, I was told by certain someone that this is not a good way to do it, but I don't care. I took all the dots off of this. That's how I found all of these to make sure I was objective in extent of like who was the best. Look, Jesus has by far the highest dots on on squat. He had the highest dots of the year at two forty one point six six. Austin was two twenty six point four seven. Yeah. So. If Austin would have went over 700 on a 74 kilo squat or 75 kilo squat, whatever it is, yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. I mean, I'll, I won't disagree. I mean, I, I'm I giving it to Austin, but that, but a thousand pounds, you got it. Wait, you're giving it to Austin? Oh now? no, no, I'm saying I'm giving it to Jesus. Oh, if he would have done okay. that, and I know that he could have done it, but he did it. So, okay, yeah, I'm going Jesus as well. Um... I mean, I, he, he deservedly so should get a bunch of awards. It was the greatest performance of all time. He yeah. squatted 1,036. Um, it was incredible. So, yeah, I think that was the highlight squat of the year. I think I think 
I could very well see Austin taking this next year, knowing where he's kind of headed. Um, and he might push it a little bit more, but for this year, it's, it's gotta, I think it's gotta be Jesus. So, uh, moving on to the female side, then, uh, got a couple more here. We got Sunita, 285.5, Amanda Lawrence, Carola Gara, Leah Beauvoir, Carlina, and Jad. And I had someone message me that Shamanica Frown needs to be added, but she bombed out. That squat did not count. I'm not counting a squat that actually did not count to me as best overall squat for the year. Yep. No, that's rule. That's rules. Rules is rules. So based off of that, um, I mean, for me, I think it comes down to Amanda versus Sonidas. Amanda's kind of been the perennial winner of this award. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, she it's just has a massive squat. Um, Leah has been in there as well, but obviously Leah was hurt this year. I don't think she pushed it as much. So it kind of goes back to you. I mean, both of them obviously squatted a ton. Amanda squatted 249. Sunita squatted 285.5. Um, that squat. Sunita's squat is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, she had more in the tank. She, I mean, from what I know, she wanted to do more, but she kind of, the attempt selection was made for her based off of some thoughts on kind of an injury she had sustained, but 285.5 ended up not being that hard. She had more in the tank. So. Yeah. For me, I'm leaning heavily towards Sunita on this one. Um, And I think Amanda Lawrence is kind of just a victim of her being really good. Like that's, it's, um, I don't want to say it's equivalent because Sunita. I don't want. To, it sounds like I'm discrediting Sunita uh, because 285 squat is ridiculous. It's a female squatting over 600 pounds is or well over 600 pounds is incredible, um, and I think it's those numbers thing too. Um, but like you know, in the MVP, like in NBA, they, I mean, they're giving it now to people who are. I think the best player in the league, but I think next year or this year, they're not going to give it to Djokovic because he won it twice. Yeah. No, we see that all the time. It's LeBron. I mean, there's so many years LeBron should have just won it every single year. You could have just given it to every single time, but he doesn't because it starts to comparatively look like the same thing and someone jumps up. And so, yeah, I get that. I mean, we've got, yeah. And then someone has, yeah, I I was, has better numbers. I was on, I was with Sonita as well, in large part just because of the big jump that this whole class took. Like, this class just took massive leaps in competitiveness and, and squat and everything. Um, and it was just reaching new heights. And so 285.5 was just uh, kind of landmark territory in the sense of tested women and squatting. So, Yep. Are we both in agreement right. then, Sonita? Yep. What's yep. the fans say on this one? It. What do you say? What the fans say on this one? Uh, I don't think they picked Sunita. Some of the fan ones were odd for the, the single lift ones. Your fan voting was not good. I don't, that was just completely a popularity contest. that had nothing to do with it, any idea what people were actually doing. Um, Amanda won it pretty heavily. Leah got second and Sunita got third. Yeah. So, which again, Amanda deserves it, but all the, the single, the, the, the voting on the single lift was entirely a popularity contest. I don't think anyone actually knew the numbers that any of these people actually were doing. Mm. based on the polling I saw. Um, So, uh, all right. Best male bench press. Um, We got, I think, uh, six main people. Chun Chia Fan, 
which had basically no votes, which goes back to the popularity contest. He benched 205 at 73.2 kilos. That was awesome. Sean, Nori- Sean Noriega, Jonathan Keiko, Rondell Hunt, Ilyas Bugahalem. Uh, if people don't know who he is, he's like the the, the best heavyweight bencher. Um, Jesus benched 600, but uh, Ilyas benched 618, I think it was. And then another name that probably wouldn't get very many votes, Ethan Hawk. Uh, Evan Hawk. Evan Hawk. Evan. He, he, benched he benched 205.5 at 74.8. So it kind of comes down to like if you're taking dots – Evan benched a tiny more than Chun Chiafan, but Chun Chiafan's thumbs up. Chun Chiafan, uh, the hell is that? Yeah, it, <laughs> I figured that. Do, do you remember? Didn't I have the uh, balloons at one point too? Did you see that? No, <laughs> and this but is bad, bad how, podcasting. So just popped up. I don't know. Some... I don't. Okay, if you, you yeah. know, obviously you don't listen to the Power of Now podcast, no. I don't know what I did to set up this setting, but when I make certain hand gestures. It does things, and so like if people uh, can't obviously see, it did it did a thumbs up for me because I just did like a, a thing, and so yeah. if I wave my hands a certain way, it'll do balloons. I don't know; oh, it's okay. my favorite thing ever. I, yeah, okay. that was I was like Evan Hawk. Did you just throw it in animation? Because, <laughs> so because of body weight, Chun Chiafan has a better dots on bench than Evan, which is why I had him over it. Um, for me, though, it comes down to Rondell versus Tyco. Um, yeah, Rondell almost he benched two sixty two and a half at one hundred twenty kilos. Keiko benched two forty three at ninety two point nine. Uh, I mean, Keiko's been kind of the perennial favorite here, and I kind of think he is again. I mean, I think I'm leaning to. I mean, his bench is just it gets better too. It's getting better. Yeah, I yeah I was kind of like going into this with you know that that heavyweight six hundred pounds with you know Jesus and I apologize to the other super heavyweight. Um, his name escapes me, but Elias Buga. Yeah, I, I'm not saying it right. Yeah, definitely not. Um, but that I'm like, okay, we got that now, and then we had Rondell uh, with a massive bench press as well. But yeah, Keiko, Keiko's Mister Bench for a reason. I mean, the numbers that he's hitting at 93 kilos is unbelievable. Two forty three. Yeah, yeah, well, well over 500 now. Like it's, it's, and it doesn't necessarily look hard yet. He just keeps taking what he needs. Um, but I, I, if someone wanted to say Rondell, frankly, the fact that we're, we might not give Rondell a single award is crazy. Uh, it's almost, he's too well rounded. Ra- he's almost perk, too well rounded. Perk. Perk might not Oh yeah, Perk award. is not. Oh gosh, Perk is going to be so underrated after this uh, podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, done. we named gosh, an entire award it. after him. No one has that. He still got, he still has another one. I, I added an award comeback of the year and Perk is up for grabs there. But we'll see. And well, we also gave Perk an entire award for himself. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean, we, no, we, we named an award lifter. after him that's a first in two white lights history. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, for me, it's between John and Rondell. And for the stage it was on, just the comparative strength, I, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Keiko. Uh, I'm going to echo you. Okay. Best male bench press, Jonathan Keiko. On the female, this is where fan voting was atrocious. Yeah. This was the worst one by far. So, uh, up for grabs, we got Juliana Iorno, who I think is severely underrated in this discussion. I don't think anyone understands her 111 kilo bench press at 51.1 kilos, how nuts that is. Um, I honestly didn't even put her in the poll because I, I knew no one would knew who it was. But frankly, I think she is one of the top three in this discussion. Uh, 
Perolagara, who got barely any votes. And she should be the favorite. She had the best bench press of the entire year. I'll get to that in a second. Alexis Jones, benching 172.5. Agatha Sitko with 153. And then Jen Thompson with 146.5. So Jen heavily won the fan voting. But, and I can get it. Jen benched 146.5 at 64.8. Perola benched 144 at 62.9. So if we're taking dots and relative coefficient, Corolla wins that based off of the body weight difference. Yep. Well, I think it's because when you think of bench press, you think of Jen Thompson. I think that's that's the thing. Like best female bencher. Yeah, you do. It's it's like it's actually the opposite when we talk about like some awards. You don't want to give it to the same person, but we're probably totally always okay giving it to Jen Thompson year in and year out because that's what's happened. Like since powerlifting became a thing that people covered. She's been the best bench presser, and it's always kind of the case. But someone in the weight class now has a yeah better bench press, I, I believe, with um, um, uh, Carola. Yep, and if you're doing based off of what Jen now, this has been a while, so you can argue maybe she can still do it. But if you take Jen's best bench at 63 kilos, it doesn't beat Carola. It's under, uh, and I I think I think Carola had the best bench of the year. A big uh, well, I think a big thing with I. I I don't know this. You always want to be careful with discrediting people based on age, but when people watch Jen Thompson and they figure out how old she is, they're like, "What? She's able to do that at that age? That's unbelievable!" And then you look at her and she's in terrific shape. Um, and you know, people. This is a fitness-based sport, and when they see people who are in their 50s, in their late 40s, doing things and and staying active, but then also competing on a high level, they, it gets bumped up a little bit. And for me, it, I bump it up a little bit because of her age, just naturally. Like, I can't help it. You're not supposed to do that, but I can't help but to do that. Because um, I, I, I remember, I mean, yeah, my, my girlfriend's brothers were watching Nationals, and they're like, that goes 50? And she benches that one. Is. And they're like... Like they're like, I'm benching 225 over here. She's benching 315. She's benching three plates. Like, yeah, and they lost their mind over that above everything. If it was most impressive female bench press, Jen wins it hand down, hands down. But it's best female bench press. This is yeah. not. We're not. I. I don't. We, I'm not. I don't want to factor in age here or like that kind of stuff. I don't. Just. I mean, well, what you're saying, I completely agree with. Impressiveness. Jen wins. But this is open. We're not doing age divisions. This is best female brunch press. And for me this year, that was Corolla. Yep. No, I agree with you. I, I do agree with you on that one. Like, if I'm doing this, awards, you know, they're not going to give awards to people. It's like because it's more impressive that they did that at, with an injury, say. You can even say that. Like, another sport, like, this guy, you know, is playing on a, with, a, with a torn ACL or recovering from a torn ACL. Like, you can't factor that in above someone else just because of that. Yep. All right, so you're going Corolla too then? I am. Okay, Corolla, best female bench press. On to deadlift. Best male deadlift. Dan Clements, which I think is the most underrated deadlift on this lift, with 323 at 66.7 kilos. Ina with 380. Jesus with 410. Rondell at 397.5. And then we got Brandon Petrie, Nick Manders, and Indiraj Singh, I think, to kind of round it out. But I think for me... 
I mean, honestly, I think someone can make a debate between Dan, Ina, Jesus, and Rondell. I honestly think any of those you could make a debate about. But Ina's 83 kilos, and he deadlifted 380. Yep. No, it makes he might be in conversations for heaviest deadlift of all time. And he's yes, 83. And he you can't you can't compare he, that to anything else. No. No, it's so far past. I mean, he's 83 and Rondell's 120, and they only have a 17 and a half kilo difference on deadlift. Yeah. And and we're talking Rondell could be the best deadlift of the year, and yet a guy who weighs almost 40 kilos less than him only deadlifts 17 and a half kilos less. Yeah, if you're we're, we're talking about pounded cheer too. We're talking about it not being a thing on Oh, it's impressive for the weight class. We are doing it to an extent, but we're putting in the weight as well and how close it's getting to Rondell and Jesus. That's ridiculous. I don't care what anyone says. I, one, was once in the conversation with me and him going into a deadlift off, which will not happen. And I've, that's how good his deadlift has been. I am like, if I get to the IPF world stage, I had to come to the harsh reality that I'm not going to be pulling for the win. He has to miss a deadlift because there's no, I'm not in the same ballpark with him anymore. Yeah, no, it's just, I think the only deadlift that I've recently seen that could be done that I then start debating is if Jesus can lock out 950 in competition. Cause he just did that yesterday and obviously didn't lock it out. It's obviously under the gym. If Jesus can start getting to mid to nine up, upper 900s, I'm going to start saying, okay, now we're just talking about the most ridiculous deadlift in the history, regardless of weight class or untested versus I, tested, just insanity. But personally, but this year, yeah, I, go ahead. I, I want to, I want to see Ina just try 900 in the gym. Fuck it. Just do it. I want. I really want to see him do it because I, with his deadlift, I just don't know sometimes what he can and can't do. Because it's like, yeah, because I like said it so many times where, at, at Euros. Yeah, if you put something on the bar, I think he can pull it. I like at, at Worlds. I'm like I on it. Like if I based on what I know about powerlifting, based on what I know about Ina, that last deadlift. I'm like, this should be too heavy for him. I think he's going a little bit out of his grounds here to lift the weights. But he can do it. And and he proved that at Euro. So, yeah, I just do it. Just throw 900 on the bar in the gym just because. If you miss, who cares? Yeah. I don't know. That's, yeah, he's it's the most impressive deadlift right now. I think that's... It. Again, like Dan... Dan and Rondell and Jesus, any other year might win this, but Ina is just doing dumb things. I, I I don't I don't know how to describe what he's doing because he's he's out deadlifting anyone for sure a weight class above, maybe two weight classes. Did he out deadlift everyone at 105 this year? I don't know. Let's see. 105 based on 2023, based on deadlift. Okay, he would have been second on deadlift this year to Sanchez Dillon at 387.5 at the 105 kilo class. He deadlifts as much as Emil Norling. Yeah, it's that's ridiculous. So, all right, Ina. Yep. I will Ina. Okay. Best female deadlift, final uh, lift award. We got Heather Connor, Jaja Cobb, Jessica Bittner, and then Amanda Lawrence. 
the polling was heavily towards Jessica. And while Jessica has an amazing deadlift, I think some people forget she didn't have a good year on deadlift. Um, last year was when she hit her massive deadlift and then she missed both her thirds this year and wasn't quite there. So for me, it's between Heather, Jod, and Amanda. If you're going like coefficient score base, Jod has the best. Uh, Heather's close second and Amanda's a little off, but coefficient score sometimes doesn't always play out. I, I this, this one's close. I don't, I don't, it, it's kind of hard to gauge on this one who I think is the favorite. Uh, I don't know. Any thoughts for you? I've got, I've kind of got who I think, but at the same time, I could go any way here and I don't think I would disagree. Um, th- this one is hard because I don't know. Um, because you have Ina, Ina gets a, like, if I'm using the, the males, Ina gets like the Euros, right? It's kind of fall back on, and he won Euros with a massive deadlift. Um, the other, I mean, like, Jadzikov wasn't able to, you know, pull for the win against Natalie. In spite of her... Well, 231, though, is from Sheffield. She hit 231 yeah. at Sheffield. Well, yeah, for sure, but there's, the, there's the misses there. That's, that's kind of what I'm, like, getting yeah. at. Where Amanda Lawrence is this... I'm leaning towards her because of just how consistent she is and seems like she's improving. She missed her third deadlift, though, at, at Worlds, too. That deadlift is from Sheffield. Jod and, Jod and Amanda. Yeah, well, the, the in that case, all right. That's, that's where it's a stupid thing on my end. Deadlift. Yeah, it's a stupid thing on my end where I'm looking at, like, if they would have... Amanda didn't need to hit her deadlift at Worlds. God did. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, and that's that's. Well, I mean, well, and, uh, Amanda. What I mean, Amanda was pulling for best lifter. That's what she was trying to do. Yeah, that's uh, that's that <laughs> that is where the yeah that's where the stupidity comes in of like me looking at what deadlifts mean the most. Because personally, I go Jod just because I think she is the best female deadlifter in the world. Heather Connor, though, with what she's doing in the gym right now. Obviously, we can't factor that in, but she's kind of throwing up 440 easy. Oh, if Heather did in the gym what she could, if she did it on the platform, uh, it, it wouldn't really be a debate for me. I wonder I what the thing Heather. is there. Because Heather is a person who I think it's re- really known that she doesn't have a weight cut or anything. Um, I, I don't know. Like well, that I, one. I, I, had, I had mentioned she did, had. Because I mentioned this, I forget, was it going in the Worlds or somewhere else? She she tended to not peak super well. Yeah. Uh, all three of her lists were not good. And she changed coaches now. And she seemed to be a bit better going into girl power. So I wonder if that's going to be, even Worlds, I think she was with her new coach. She was a bit better than she used to be. So I wonder if that helps. I, I wonder how much, I mean, this is complete speculation. Uh, I don't even know if I want to speculate. This is, this is kind of bordering, kind of like, coaching profession and professionalism there. So I don't want to be going there, but yeah, if Heather was hitting the two Oh five plus that she does in the gym, I think it would be Heather. I don't think I'd debate that, but I think because it hasn't translated for me, it was Jod. I ha- I, I think I have Jod as best. Deadlift. Yeah. That, that four forty that she hit in the gym and this could just be a knee jerk reaction was the best female deadlift I've seen this year. That well, video... she hit 440. She hit more. Well, no, that 440, she, she 440 she just posted. I'm like, that was how fast it was. That was I was not expecting to move that easy, but yeah, you obviously can't factor in that into your decision there. I I kind of just want to because also the the recency bias does exist in powerlifting of you know who does these type of things, and 
Yeah, uh, personally, I think John is the best female deadlift in the world currently. So that's kind of where I want to go. I mean, that's kind of the award is best female yeah. deadlift. I just think that her, yeah, her that number. Until and Natalie I, out, that's until Natalie outpulls her at Sheffield, and then we'll have to change that. But for now, yes, John is the best deadlifter. Yeah, I, I, that's yeah, that's kind of where I'm going on that one. Is I just think John's the best deadlifter in the female side. Okay, John Jacob then. All right. Okay. Uh, 2024 male breakout candidate. So obviously, if you've got any more you want to add to this, you can. But I listed, I listed mine. I've got Austin Nikolai, who debatably has already, debatedly has already broken out. So that's a debate. The most, the most contentious Fu- award we're about to give is this one. <laughs> yeah, Dominique Fuqua, Anthony Bilal, Dwight Burns, Demetrius Smith, and Brandon Jones. Okay. Um, we can't throw Lucky in there. Did he break out? I because I think Lucky this year. You said he was the breakout male performer. Huh? You had him as one of your top four breakout male performers. So how could you have him as a breakout candidate if you just said he had the breakout performance? Yeah, exactly. So that's 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 the thing. Is breakout does breakout performance mean breakout performer for the next year? Because this is why I want to make my case for Lucky. I think lucky, and this is something we do have to look at gym lifts too. It's not just competition based. We can look at gym lifts. Lucky totaled eight forty in the gym, and I honestly believe lucky. So now that I'm in Powerlifting America, I don't know what's going to happen as far as like people doing the preview shows and predictions. Um, if it's King of the Lifts, I don't think they're going to mention me. They're just pretty good. It's going to be on Rust the entire time. But I personally think Lucky should. Be more in that conversation than me right now. He's he's staying USAPL though, isn't he? I know, but that's what I mean. With me moving over, I don't know what's going to happen with the conversations, with you know preview shows and all that stuff. I don't know what the discussion is going to be. I personally think what Lucky is doing in the gym, his ability to improve, we know his ability to execute on the platform. He's I think the most proven out of any of these young lifters by far. I think he is the best young lifter in the world. Um, next to Austin Perkins, I guess. I don't know. Is Austin Perkins young anymore? <laughs> is he too old? He's not a junior yeah, anymore. He's, still, he's, he's just underrated. He's yeah, he's he no, so he's, he's too old. He's too old now. He's an old man. Um, he's like 24. So, Lucky, to me, can win or can be the best lifter in this weight class within this year. Okay. That to I'll, me I'll is breakout performance. I'll go. Uh, yeah, I agree because I don't think if you did a conversation right now and you said who's the best eighty-three in the world, that he would be in the conversation. Which is be Russ, he should Delaney. be. He should be in every conversation because he got second. I only beat him by a couple kilos, and we know what he can do. He's when I'm okay. just I'll, as a lifter myself, like going into my weight class, I'm looking at all of them. Obviously, Russ would be above him. I am honestly putting Lucky above pretty much everyone. Sean, Delaney, uh, Gruden, I'm, I'm power-ranking lucky above all of those guys. Okay, I'll go with you then. I make, You made a good argument. You, you switched my vote. So Alex Lucko, Lucky Luciano, uh, 2024 male breakout candidate. So, um, all right. Uh, female. I got Natalie Hunter, Mandy Ogo, Camille Hadris, and Nia Webster, Bria Williams, and Emily Reynolds. 
Uh, I think probably some of those names people don't even know. Yep. Um, That's why the breakout candidate. Gotten a little bit more spotlight. I mean, my breakout candidate, who I think, I, I, I think has ridiculous potential, is Natalie Hunter. I think that's mine. I I think she's going to be one of the top ten best female lifters in the world, maybe by the end of twenty twenty four. Yeah, I I think at the beginning of the year I was leaning heavily towards Mandy uh, Ugbo, especially because she competed prime time. Um, but I I've kind of switched that towards Natalie Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Which great. Which she's not. Which is crazy. She's got a big following, but she has more of a fitness following. She doesn't have much of a powerlifting following, but she, yeah, I don't know. She's insane. Mandy's got inc- incredible uh, potential too. Um, I mean, all the obviously Natalie, all the females on this list do. I mean, exactly. Yeah, because with do. Bria, I think Bria might be in a victim just being in the USAPL. Well, Bria's also a victim of the fact that no, I actually think being in the USAPL slightly helps her because if she goes. PA, she's now in the weight class with Natalie Richards. Yeah. And to be compared to Natalie Richards and the amount she has to make up total wise, uh, is, is kind of rough. I mean, that's, there, there isn't anyone in the U S who's even like remotely close to Natalie Richards. So therefore it's just not kind of a class that you want to go over, which is why no one's doing it. Everyone's staying in USAP. Yeah. Natalie Hunter, I think is someone that can go over to power of America uh, and from what I've heard, that's the plan, uh, after the Arnold, um, that's the rumor I've heard. We'll see if that's correct. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Natalie is going to be totaling well over 500 kilos by the end of 20. 20- yeah, I agree. Okay. Natalie, female breakout candidate. So, all right. Question is, is we can be live. Do you want to do one long episode or do you want to break these two up? Um, cause we, yeah, we have <laughs> yeah, we have like twenty more awards. Yeah, do you want to break it up into a second one? Where you we know have what? Like the lifter awards, and then we have the fun awards. Yeah, I think it'll be really enjoyable for those fun awards. I'm going to release this one today, um, so you're going to get it for the weekend going into Christmas, and then I think okay. we can, yeah, do the other ones. Those okay. fun awards. Do the other one like on on the day after Christmas for people traveling home. Yeah. All right. You know, screw it. I'm just gonna leave that recording in. That's a little behind the scenes, yeah. guys. This is this is how we yeah. make decisions. Yeah, on, the fly, on, on so air, literally on air. Lifter awards. So you, you can do an outro, a- Angela. You do the outro. Do your little piece. Yep, and that'll do it for the lifter awards. We'll see you guys next week for the two white lights awards. I'll call it that. All right, perfect. The two white lights. This is this is where you know you you put a little whiskey in the coffee. You get a little, you get, you get a little loose with it. So, and we know that you guys like getting loose with it, especially Steve after John Hack. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>